Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Also, Premier Ortho, a division of Premier Healthcare, helping people living with injuries and chronic back, spine, or joint pain to get back on their feet. Premier Ortho, 333-1933. Online at mypremierortho.com. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to talk about the deer population in Bloomington and and what to do about it. We have three guests with us in the studio. Sarah Hayes is here. She's the CEO of the Monroe County Humane Association. Dave Rollo, a Bloomington City Council member and the chairman of the Bloomington-Monroe County Deer Task Force. And also Thomas Moore, Ph.D. student at the IU School of Public and Environmental Affairs is here with us today. Uh, if you want to join us on the program, please call 855-0811 in Bloomington or toll-free 877-285-9348. Or you can go to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition to join a live chat. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. Great pleasure. I, I, I was teasing Sarah that we seem to call her in for everything that has anything to do with four legs. Uh, that's right. So yeah. thanks for being Sometimes here Sometimes two legs, too. Yes. Yeah. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah was here when we had uh, Journey the Dog as a guest. May Journey rest yeah. in peace. Yes. Poor yes. All right. Well, let's uh, talk about the, the deer issue. And So how big is the problem? Dave, you're the chairman of the Deer Task Force. How big is our deer issue in Bloomington? Well, that's a good question, and it's a difficult one because uh, we don't know the absolute number of the deer. Uh, to try to determine uh, the extent of the situation, uh, we've used other kind of proxies as well as uh, having a survey online and a series of public outreach meetings where we ask the public uh, do deer present a problem with the, with you, and and how, and how often do you see them, et cetera? And so we get kind of a grasp of of the situation. We know that it's geographically uh, somewhat limited to the southeast quadrant of the city, which happens to be my district, my my neighborhood, your neighborhood, and mine, mine too. Yeah. Um, and uh, but it doesn't mean it it might not extend beyond that in the future. And the other aspect is uh, this is a Monroe. Uh, county and city task force. So we're also looking at the county, and we're looking at the uh, the Griffey Preserve as well. And all the indicators in the Griffey Preserve uh, show that in terms of ecological uh, damage, it's quite severe. So in the city, it's more of a social caring capacity question. Uh, and in the, in the outlying areas, it's more of an ecological uh, question. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly it's... Uh, uh, it it is not limited to Bloomington; it's across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, this is trending across the country. The deer population is expanding. Oh, absolutely. There's no question. And in fact, um, probably the densities that we're experiencing are nowhere near what exists in some of the other areas of the country. For instance, in areas of Iowa, uh, Kansas, the deer density is well over 100 deer per square mile. Uh, and there's one county outside of Washington, Fairfax, Virginia, that has a deer density of about f- – uh, there are areas of the county that have deer density of 400 per square mile. Oh, wow. wow. Which, is, which is essentially one every acre and 1.2 or 3 acres. So a deer for every household. Yeah. yeah. Essentially, <laughs> it's true. You, you could not walk – take a walk without seeing a deer almost everywhere you look. So that gives you an indication of the kinds of densities that can, can be reached – uh, unless we do, we have some kind of management, or we respond in some way. So why why is this happening? Why are the deer growing in population so much? Well, Thomas, I, I could take that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, there's again, it's it's a complicated quest, uh, question that you have there, um, and you know, originally, um, deer were uh, throughout the, the state of Indiana, relatively low. Um, in population, um, but uh, around the, the turn of the century, we uh, removed uh, wolves 
um, which were the, the main predator of deer. And uh, this and some other factors really caused the population to explode. Um, <clears throat> and so now what we're faced with is a population that doesn't really have a, a main predator that can help to keep things at bay other than humans mm-hmm. um, and, and hunters and, unfortunately, cars and, and other things like that. And so we've kind of uh, set something in motion a long time ago that kind of set a few things out of balance, and uh, we're seeing some of the repercussions of that now. Mm-hmm. Now, Dave, I know in, in the uh, area that you, know, you represent and the, the Deer Park um, development, came about, I don't know how many years ago now, it's probably been a decade or so ago, and I think there was a lot of uh, discussion at the time that the deer, there were a lot of deer in that 22 acres or however many acres there were there, and that they were going to have to go somewhere, and I think there are a lot lot of people that probably believe that's a main cause for all the deer in the southeast part of the city. Is that uh, a contributing factor or a major factor? uh, It's difficult to determine exactly, but uh, I know anecdotally I've seen deer jump the fence there and find their way back and forth. Uh, I think displacement is a major problem. And so when we have developments like Renwick, which was over 80 acres, I mean, that was a former farm, cornfields turned into a meadow with some forest and a stream, the deer have to go somewhere. So, um, so I think that probably is a contributor, probably a large one, but it's not limited to that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people thought the Deer Park deer were going to go to Renwick, <laughs> and then Renwick was developed. So That's right. Yeah. All yeah. right. We have a phone call already. Um, we'll get Sarah on after the phone call. We've got Mike on the phone. Mike? Yes. Go right ahead. Okay. Well, uh, kind of uh, in keeping with the question or the conversation about uh, the Deer Park thing, you know, I've, I've lived on the east side for quite a while, and uh, I was fully aware of the deer herd uh, within the fenced-in area of what is now Deer Park Manor and the boulders. And uh, before that, I mean, there was never a problem with deer in any of the neighborhoods that I can remember, okay? And, uh, but once all that was taken down and the deer herd dispersed, uh, everywhere, then it became a problem, and of course now exponentially it's become much, much worse. And my other kind of comment is that, you know, I, I realize uh, I spoke with my councilman, Dave, uh, in his driveway a couple of years ago, at least a couple of years ago, and we were talking about, well, we're forming a deer task force, and I've taken the questionnaire online, et cetera, et cetera, but I don't see any movement whatsoever. So I'm hoping by listening to this program, maybe, I'm going to learn a lot more. But those are my comments on the situation so far. Okay, Mike, we hope you learn a whole lot more today. All right. Thanks, All right. Bob. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I know Mike, too. I was going to so. say, have you met him before? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mike's, yeah, Mike's a good guy. I know Mike. All right. So do you want to respond to that, Dave? Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, I think I remember that conversation. Hi, Mike. Uh, we've done a lot of work in the last year. Uh, I'd like people to keep in mind that this is an all-volunteer group. We meet once, once a month. Meetings are open to the public. We've done a lot of outreach, a lot of education. It's been a lot of information to, to, to handle, meetings with DNR. And it takes some time also for, I think, I, this is a very sensitive subject, and so it takes time for uh, members of, of a task force like that to, to sort of find a space that they can express themselves. You don't do it on the first meeting. So, and I think this group has been exceptional, mm-hmm. and it's all volunteer. It's not costing very much in terms of – we've had an excellent staff member, by the way, Stacey Jean mm-hmm. Rhodes, who's mm-hmm. helped us through Fantastic. the whole process, and I want to give kudos to her. Mm-hmm. But the situation is that – we have done a lot of work and happy to talk about it. And maybe Sarah can describe a lot sure. of that as well. Yeah, Sarah, I mean, you know, we've, we've talked to you a lot about dogs and cats and dog and cat overpopulation and mm-hmm. issues like that. Now you're involved with deer. So, uh, yeah, right. sort of explain a little bit about the task force and what, what you've been doing. 
Well, and I think there is a misconception, and believe me, I've heard about it myself. Emails, phone calls, what are you doing? Um, What is that task force doing? And frankly, it is. I know by the time I get there, I've already put in nine or ten hours that day, and so has everybody else on the task force. (laughs) This is not our full-time job. Uh We're all trying to do this in addition to our busy lives. Um, And it has been remarkable that so many different people from different backgrounds and maybe mindsets have gotten together and gotten as far as we have. I mean, we've had outreach meetings in different areas of the city, educating people on everything that we learned, because it was so much to learn from DNR about management techniques, um, held all of these meetings, gave the presentations, created a survey, collected the data, you know, came up with these maps, um, and have come up with kind of a beginnings of a chart of all the different options and how we all feel about them individually. It's a lot of work to do when you're meeting for a couple hours once a month. Uh, yeah, I think the, the range of, uh, of opinions in the community, at least from where I mm-hmm. sit, are, what's wrong with the deer? They're great. I love to look at them, don't do anything, to, you know, they, we need to get rid of all of them. They're creating havoc. They're, you know, killing dogs. They're chewing on my plants, and we just need to get them out of there. So is that a fair statement? Uh, yes, I, w- I would yes. say we have a, a full range of opinions in this community. Yes, um, and and we're, we are always interested to hear uh, from people mm-hmm. what their opinions are. Um, and if, if I could add uh, to what uh, Dave and, and Sarah said as well uh, about you know concluding the the Deer Task Force um, is that you know this is an important issue, and it, unfortunately, it doesn't have a simple solution. And you understand that more and more as you learn more about it. Um, and what other communities have tried and, and failed with. Um, and, you know, we want to come up with a solution that actually works and one that has a chance of having some longevity. You know, we, won't, we don't want this to be a recommendation and, and then next year we have the, you know, it's forgotten about. So that, if, if that's your goal, you can't do it quickly. You ha- it has to be a thoughtful process. Um, and, and so that's, that's what we're doing. And... Uh, you know, we're, we're doing our best uh, to do it as quickly as possible. Uh-huh. We're going to talk about some solution possibilities, but we've got another caller, so let's go to Charles. Charles? Yes, hello. Uh, hi, go ahead. I had a couple of questions and then a comment. Uh, number one, what's, how quickly do deer uh, repopulate in terms of uh, a young female deer? How soon can she reproduce herself? Number two, what do they do in Brown County State Park? Uh, when there's an ecological problem. And my comment is that deer problem seems to have exploded in the last five years in the southeast part of the city. I mean, my house backs up on High Street, and I see three deer, if not five, every day or every other day. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a doe and two fawns, or a doe and one fawn, or all of them, the doe, the one fawn, the doe, and two fawns. They're in my neighborhood about every day. Um, There's feces from the deer under oak trees, under fruit trees, uh, they make a mess. You can't have a flower garden, um, so it's a problem for me. I mean, does the city code allow me to put up an eight-foot fence between my yard and the sidewalk? I don't think so. So thanks very much. All right, Charles. Dave? Uh, your first question, the, uh, the deer give birth annually in the spring, and they have one to three offspring, and they live from eight to 12 years. So, and I've seen does with multiple fawns. So it's quite clear that their population is is expanding. Um, In Brown County, they allowed a hunt some years ago, and and speaking with the DNR officials and wildlife biologists, uh, they say it's been successful, that it's reduced the number and in that case, the deer were malnourished, were small, and, and of course, there was very little forage left. And ecologically speaking, it was bad for almost everything else in the understory. So that was effective. And um, if you compare uh, sites in Morgan Monroe and Yellowwood in terms of deer density w- with Griffey, we see that there's 10 to 12 times more droppings in Griffey than in those areas. So that gives you some idea of you know, an area that where there, there's there's no uh, hunt and an area compared to uh, similar where there is. So uh, 
And is that the this is our final question? What, what, one thing I forgot to add is that um, the report should be done in February or March. Mm, so it's coming soon. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, although we've closed the survey for for the public, we got a lot of responses, and I want to thank the public for st- uh, stepping up. We got 750 or so responses. You can still uh, make your voice heard by writing us, emailing us at Dear Task Force, all one word, at bloomington.in.gov. We'd like to hear from you. All right. Let, let me give our phone numbers again because I think we have a lot of interest in this topic. 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area, and WFIU.org slash Noon Edition to join a live chat. Sarah, what are some of the threats or risks associated with having deer in a pretty heavily populated area like the southeast corner of, of, of Monroe County? Well, Bloomington anyway. Bloomington. Yeah, I think I think there are a lot of risks that people think are there that are not. Um, it's about being smart, and uh, there are things that can happen. But I mean, traffic is obviously a problem. There are things during rut or um, when does have their babies, where they if your dog gets into the yard, she she may stomp her feet. You just have to be aware of those things. So I think those are things that we're kind of muddling through and really weighing those issues and going, okay, there is social caring capacity that's different for everyone. What may be okay for me, my neighbor, my neighbor might not be okay with. So mm-hmm. you have to look at all of those and the true public safety aspect and honestly, what's okay for the deer. I mean, if you think about it, man created this problem. You're seeing more in those areas because they have been displaced and we've created the best spot ever for them to exist. We create a buffet for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you have to look at all those issues and really say, okay, what is the ethical thing to do? And we did create this problem, and let's fix it the right, mm-hmm. the right way. Yeah. Sarah, is there any um, anecdotal evidence of actual um, physical alteration or altercations between um, humans and, and deer? Not generally. Deer are pretty fearful of people. Um, sure, there's a freak story here and there about things that have happened, but they generally will leave you alone. They are not aggressive creatures at all. I think uh, our caller mentioned you know, can't, he can't have a flower garden. I mean, Mary Catherine and I do a gardening show twice a year, and it's the most popular show we do. Bloomington is a big gardening community, and I, mm-hmm. I think well, and there is an, an investment, a, a, you know, of, of some amount of money in that, a, along with the effort. But you know, and people do, I know, see that as actual property damage, mm-hmm. um, and it's a big deal. Yeah, well, we hear from from these uh, community members, and so uh, we are definitely considering that, you know, gardening, and also at the previous caller about. Uh, Seeing deer in his in his yard very often, we hear from other um, community members about this type of experience often. So we're definitely considering all of these things in our final recommendations. Right. Okay, we have some phone calls. Let's go to Andy. Andy's from Bedford. Andy, hi. How are we doing? <clears throat> Good, thanks. Hey, um, the uh, as far as my experience with this, uh, yeah, probably in the in the past three years, we've had. Uh, no less with uh, four altercations with vehicles uh, uh, with deer. I mean, it's it's almost every year now. Is this a residential uh, situation that you're in, Andy? Well, uh, both. Uh, this is uh, the last uh, accident that we that I had uh, was actually off of uh, 37, mm-hmm. uh, which I mean, you can you can find deer carcasses uh, just littered all over 37. Uh, the more south you go. Uh, it seems to stop uh, just north of Bloomington before you get into to, uh, somewhere in between Martinsville and and uh, and Bloomington. But there, there's that corridor just south near Harrodsburg, near uh, all the way down to uh, uh, Orleans and Paoli, where it's just I mean I mean you can sometimes the deer carcasses can get up into the into the double digits on some days. Uh, especially during rut. Um, I know in my yard, personally, we've got, uh, you know, a herd of deer that, and I live right on the city limits of, of Bedford uh, near the uh, near the golf course over there, Otis Park. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's not the fact that they're aggressive creatures, that they're not, and they're very nice to look at. Um, but what happens is they 
are getting into this residential area. I mean, I've seen them in the middle of Bedford, um, and they are so freaked by the by the cars that a doe, uh, a fairly good sized doe or a buck, uh, will now not know what to do at this point. And they they I, I actually had one that crashed into me instead of me crashing into it just because of the fact it did not know where to run. Um, and it was crossing the street at the time, and, and it saw another car coming, and it, it spooked it. Um, I know that farmers, uh, if they have cattle uh, that is you know running about everywhere, uh, they are liable uh, if, that, uh, if that cow goes out onto the street and, and causes an accident. And with the state the way they are in their fiscal uh, situation, I don't think that they're going to uh, play by that same rule because, I mean, the insurance rates go up. Uh, I know mine has, has gone up slightly uh, because of the fact of, of having these accidents because it is counted as an accident. Um, and, it, and it causes, you know, thousands of dollars of damage. The, the last one that I hit, probably about $3,000 worth of damage to the car. Uh, and it was a brand-new car. And so I, I guess my point is this. With all of the deer population that's been going on, still the state of Indiana will not um, widen out the the season uh, as far as hunting is concerned. I mean, if, if all of the natural predators have been uh, pretty much hunted out or 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 just are no longer there, and we are the only real natural predator, you know, there's got to be some things that, that that's very easy to do. I mean, if, if we're selling uh, hunting licenses at, uh, you know, 20 or $25 a pop, um, and, you know, make hunters take a hunting education course, and then widen out that, that uh, hunting season, that would be, I would think, would be the first thing. Uh, step yep. in trying to control this population because it, it, it's just horrible. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Let's talk about that with some other solutions on yeah. the second half of the show. Yeah, Andy, that's, a, right, good, that's a good suggestion for the state. I appreciate it very much. We've got an extra $300 million now, you know. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. We, we won't go into that at this point. We're going to try to take one more call before we do go to a break because we're running, uh, it's uh, halfway through the program. So we have Bill next. Bill? Hi. Um, <clears throat> this is Bill and I live in uh, near west side Bloomington, uh, right in town, has been in town for well over a century, this, this neighborhood. And um, I've been in this particular location for almost four decades with a large garden. And for the first three decades, there was no problem with deer. And um, for the last 10 years, um, deer ravaged my garden. I, I try to grow all all my own vegetables, and it's really hard to do that. I mean, it, uh, Bloomington has a, a big emphasis on trying to be green, and, and all these people say, oh, we should grow local. But you can't do that if you have deer eating your, uh, your, produce, your produce. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, now, we can't hunt them all out because it just... Uh, within the city of Bloomington. I'm just talking about Bloomington because there are plenty more to come in and take their places, and, and they breed fast. Um, and we can't fence them all out. For one thing, it's all it's too expensive, and and we just aren't going to be able to keep them all out because they, the more crowded they get, the more aggressive they get. So we really need a two-pronged approach. We need to authorize inexpensive fencing electric fencing in in Bloomington that can uh, keep out uh, the deer, at least from those areas that we want to protect, and we need to reduce the population. And, you know, being kind to the deer and giving them birth control just isn't really feasible. We need, we need to um, introduce some sort of predation, and I don't think we want to have wolves or cougars roaming our streets, so you know, in town, so we really need to authorize some sort of hunting. All right. Well, Bill, thanks. You've, uh, these guys are going to respond after we take a break, but we're going to have to <clears throat> take a short break. Now uh, we need to tackle solutions on part two. That's right. We'll be back uh, with another uh, half hour of Noon Edition. Uh, we'll be back. 
This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville, information at smithville.net, and from Premier Ortho, online at mypremierortho.com. You can take WFIU with you by downloading podcasts directly to your PC, Mac, or MP3 player. Programs such as Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, and short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, and Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Pick them up at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? The WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Catch the Friday feature just after 8.30 during Morning Edition, just before Noon Edition, and at 5.45 during All Things Considered. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And we're talking about the deer issues in Bloomington and what to do about them. Uh, Also, we've expanded this a little bit to the state because we've gotten a couple of state calls, too. And we have three guests in the studio uh, from the the Bloomington-Monroe County Deer Task Force. Sarah Hayes is here. She's the CEO of the Monroe County Humane Association. Dave Rollo, a member of the Bloomington City Council, who's the chairman of the task force. And Thomas Moore, a Ph.D. student at Indiana University's School of Public and Environmental Affairs. If you want to join us, please phone 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 if you have a more statewide um, approach or perspective and wfiu.org slash noon edition is a website site website if you want to join a live chat all right you guys want to respond to uh, the last caller a little bit he had some you know he sounded like he was advocating a hunt inside the city and also perhaps uh, electric fences can, can, can i take a a shot, sure. Okay. So to speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the city limits, Dave. <laughs> Dave. Dave, also, before you do, could you um, – I, I know you're a, a, a scientist with the university and you, you're involved with environmental issues. So what, what is your expertise? What's your background? Are you biology? Uh, uh, well, it's, it's – yeah, biology. Yeah. Kind of broad. Yeah. Ecology as well as uh, molecular right. micro. So I keep, you know, I keep introducing you as a city council president, but you've got – other things you well, I've taken a leave from the university for a while, so I'm, I'm farming. Uh-huh. So I'm farming in the county, and so that has this has an impact on, well, yeah. on that as well. So what do you do um, in your spare time? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I sleep. Maybe. Uh, usually not. But uh, it, first of all, let me say that we've we're working through these management strategies, and we look at everything from taking no action to the type a lethal types of management strategies. Okay, but we put it within under the rubric of. Uh, the cost, the safety, the efficacy or effectiveness of the strategy, deer welfare, and then the community acceptance of that. Okay? So those, that's kind of our operating principles. Now, we could take no action, but, of course, they have a high survival rate. They're growing in population. And the public, by our survey, seems to indicate that they want some, some, something done. We can do simple things like feeding bans. We can do fencing, as was described by another caller. In other words, increasing fence heights. Um, that's effective for you if you have a fence, put up a fence, but it's not effective for your neighbors. In fact, you're displacing the deer again. And then you get this situation which I think is could result in sort of a, you know, fences throughout Bloomington, which is, has an aesthetic problem to it, right? I mean, from my point of view. But – uh, deterrence and repellence is, is another. Uh, obviously, we can't reintroduce predators, uh, although they may come back. I mean, it, it, they seem to be m- migrating here. Now, we get into ones that are sort of directly sort of uh, uh, directly dealing with affecting, affecting the deer, the deer which, yeah. which are things like trap and translocate. People say, can't you just trap them, take them Move elsewhere? Them. <coughs> that's That's not effective. In fact, the deer suffer from capture myopathy, which means it, it usually kills them. So they have a heart attack, essentially, because they're so stressed. And then where do you put them? And uh, then they usually die wherever you displace them. And it's very expensive to do that. People say, how about contraception? That's ineffective as well. They're, the contraception doesn't work very well. It has to be, you have to have a very high percentage of those that, that are treated. 
Uh, it doesn't address the population growth over time. You have to do it repeatedly. And then there are effects of bioaccumulation and human consumption of the deer that are problematic. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about a cost of six to $800 per doe. So this is very expensive. And then uh, things like trap and euthanize is, is, an, is, is another, or, uh, which, is, again, it's stressful for the deer. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're thinking of deer welfare. That's not effective. Sterilization, very expensive, eight to $1,000 uh, per deer. And then we go into things like regulated hunting and sharpshooting. So these are the, t- the types of management strategies that we've been looking at. And we've arrived at, at a recommendation in Griffey. Uh, but we haven't arrived yet. We're still debating what to do within the urban core okay. of the city. We'll, 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 we'll get back to a lot of that stuff. We've got a couple more callers. Uh, Tim from Brown County has been uh, – he was on before the break. So, Tim, we're going to take you first. Oh, okay. Hi. Hi. Uh, there was a gentleman that called about deer getting into his vegetable garden. Yep. And um, But, you know, everybody in Brown County has dirt and – can put, you know, wildlife netting around your garden, and, and that's really effective, and it doesn't look bad either, and and you want to put up fence either way, anyway, because the rabbits will eat you, <laughs> not the deer, and you can also just have a dog. If you have a dog, the deer won't come onto your property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, great suggestions. All right. The the dog issue in Bloomington would be it would have some problems, right, Sarah? Yes. I mean, you you would not be able to have it outside without it being uh, chained, and that would not be a yeah, that would not fly. That's not an Mm-mm. option. No, no. Right. we might knock on your door a couple times. Right. <laughs> okay, Tim. Thanks a lot for your uh, your comments on that because I, oh. I think the the netting is uh, one idea we haven't talked about in here, uh, Dave. And then I do have a question. Uh huh. Sure. I mean, if people actually consider it. You know, maybe not in the city of Bloomington, but in this general area, you know, letting wolves come back and live again. Sarah? Yeah, that's... You'd, you'd be bringing on more trouble with yet another species, and IDNR doesn't... They don't approve that anyway. Yeah, the... So... St- Stateways, IDNR just would not really approve that. No. But, but the reason they wouldn't is because the wolves aren't going to necessarily go after what you want them to go after. Yeah. Right. They don't know the difference between no. cows and deer and sheep and... Or no. cats. Cats. Yeah. Or kids and... Yeah. yeah. They'll go after what's easy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right, Tim. Okay. Thanks a lot for the call. We appreciate it. Okay. Goodbye. All right. 855-0811 in Bloomington. 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. WFIU.org slash Noon Edition to join a live chat. Stan, go ahead. Um, I understand that uh, it, it, it's expensive handling the deer. I would suggest salt blocks to lure them away from the city to where they can be hunted by uh, specially licensed uh, hunters who would be happy to do the service. And I think there should be a processing uh, set up so that the deer meat can be harvested and provided where it's it's best needed. Uh, I see the cost, frankly, in terms of salt blocks. I don't think the hunter has to be paid. I think he would do it for the pleasure, if, it, if I could put it that way. It's the processing of the deer afterwards. I don't think treating them kindly is the answer. Uh, they're beautiful animals, but we have to get rid of them. That's That's... The only thing I can suggest. All right, Stan. Thanks for the call. Yeah, if, if, if I could uh, talk about that a little bit. Uh, he raises some issues with hunting. Um, and, and one of them, uh, you know, if we want to expand hunting, you know, hunting has been expanded pretty, you know, the amount of time pretty far already. And the question is whether or not we can get more hunters to hunt, you know, the third or fourth or fifth season or whatever if they've already gotten uh, a deer already. Now, let's assume that we can, okay? That's, that's a pretty big assumption, but let's just, let's just go with that. Um, then some of these things that he's talking about, then it, it comes with a, the cost of processing. And we're looking at there are some programs out there where um, uh, meat processing uh, facilities will do it for free or for reduced price, and this can then be donated to... Um, uh, community kitchens and that sort of thing, and we're looking very seriously 
at uh, some of those options to facilitate hunting and then to be able to use um, some of these resources uh, to help people. Uh, before we go back to the callers, Dave, have you announced your Griffey recommendation yet? Well, it was at a public meeting, and uh, I think there might have been a reporter there. But, you know, I, actually, I'm, I'm willing, happy to talk about it. Sure. Uh, I mentioned the ecological damage, um, and that's clear. And it's actually, you can demonstrate it because the IU Teaching Preserve has deer exclosures. And then so you can, oh, you know, kind with of tally, and without. It's a very clear picture. Tally yeah. what's going on inside mm-hmm. and outside of that. Um, so because of that ecological damage, we're recommending uh, a lethal intervention. So uh, now we recommend sharpshooting. Uh, we'll be recommending sharpshooting to the city. Um, that seems to be the most humane. It's, it's the quickest, the most effective. Uh, and our second recommendation if that won't work because it does cost money is to I- expand a managed hunt have a have a have a managed hunt i should say bow and arrow only mm. and a managed hunt means that there are certain qualifications in terms of hunter proficiency the idnr runs it you have a lottery so you limit the number and um and that can that can be effective although the deer may roam and if it's not a clean kill they can suffer so that's the, you know, those, those are the recommendations, and we'll let the policymakers, the Parks Board, the Council, and the Mayor uh, decide on that. So Okay. All right. We have uh, other callers. Betty is on the line. Betty? Hello, Betty. Do we have, do we have Betty? Hello, just a minute. I need to turn my radio off. All right. Waiting for Betty. <laughs> okay, while we're while we're waiting, um, so the recommendation about Griffey will come. Um, will all these recommendations come at the same time? Well, they'll be they'll be in the report. <clears throat> but we've at our meeting we've. We've arrived at that as as the recommendation for for Griffey, and yeah. that should help to alleviate some of the stress in the neighborhoods in the north side as well, because okay. there's a lot of migration to and from Griffey into mm-hmm. those neighborhoods. All right, do we have Betty back? Oh, All right. we're going to give up on Betty. All right. Well, let's see if we can go to um, Debbie? Debbie next. Debbie. Hello, Debbie. Are you there? All right. Go ahead. Debbie, go ahead. Debbie? Okay. Hi. Hi. My name is Debbie. I'm from Bloomington. I live just outside of town in the county. And my husband is a a hunter, deer hunter, bow hunter, shotgun, muzzle loader. And um, we've talked about it, and it seems like um, the recommendation for... (coughs) in the urban area of having um, what what cheapest and most inexpensive way is to have the um, bow hunters come in and um, in the urban areas and of course you know with the lottery and of course they would be you know they would be hunters that knew what they were doing and um, then the meat would be processed you know and, and given you know, community kitchen, um, you know, uh, the pantries and things like that. And as far as the sharpshooters go, that seems so, you know, they're going to take down one that's so expensive to have sharpshooters. I just can't see that. It just seems like there's so many hunters in the area as far as bow hunters that could do the job and do it cheaply and process the meat for um, people that need food, that would be a good idea. Okay. All right. Uh, Debbie, it sounds like a possibility for that Griffey area. I'm, I'm trying to picture this, you know, hunting solution in the neighborhoods. I mean, I can't – I just – you know, I, I know where I live and I know where, you know, a lot of people in this room live. And I, I can't imagine having, you know, bow hunters walking around my backyard or walking on the street in front of my house and then – 
shooting, you know, a deer that's standing in my backyard. <laughs> well, that that's likely not the way it would it would yeah, work. How out. would it work? I, but just just to kind of add to um, uh, what the caller said, and to kind of point out how things can be so complicated, at some of the points you just made, um, and you know, if if a, a deer is not hit uh, cleanly and it wanders into somebody else's yard or um, young children see a bleeding uh, deer. You know, th- there's some some effects there that you really have to consider very carefully before such a, an action were to be taken. Now, if if something like that were to be taken, it would have to be within you know a certain size of green space, so it wouldn't be in an area where houses are right next to each other, and there wouldn't be hunters walking in your front yard or you know just perched right over your backyard. <laughs> You know, yes. looking over your fence, ready to ready to get him or something. Yes. It wouldn't really work. Like there would have to be a certain that, yeah. size, mm-hmm. and it have to be likely that the the neighbors in the area would also have to uh, approve. Um, and there are definitely areas um, where it seems like all the neighbors are on, would be on board with that, and others where they're not. And so you they, hunters wouldn't be able to go um, there. But there would also need to be if it's an urban hunting, there would also need to be some pretty strict um, proficiency tests to make sure. Um, mm-hmm. That that they they're really good at it, um, and to minimize any kind of uh, um, mistakes or uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm trying. I'm still trying to picture this though. I mean, how many areas of that kind of size are there inside of the Bloomington city limits? I mean, very little. Yeah. Uh, r- residential state areas might be might qualify for that. Mm-hmm. So it it could be used in 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 that condition, but. I did want to say, regarding sharpshooting, it's not only the most humane because, mm-hmm. in, in terms of lethal approaches because it is so quick. Um, the meat can be used because you don't, I mean, as opposed to, you know, standard hunting, you could shoot the deer anywhere in its body, and if it's got lead shot in it, it's not edible. Uh, it's contaminated. So, uh, but besides that, groups that do this, including the USDA, uh, the Animal Plant and Health Inspection Service use a jack light. They lure the deer. They use it. They do it at night. Usually, when a park is closed, no one's there. You make sure that no one's there, and uh, you use silence. They use silencers, which for the deer, if a deer just falls, it doesn't spook the other deers. Deer, deer, I should say. And so you could have uh, multiple kills mm-hmm. uh, with a group of deer that just simply stay put around the corn feeder or so forth. So it is, it's very, it's efficient. It's an efficient All right. Approach. We have several callers, so we're, we're going to need I think that. we have to go to David next. Yeah. David? Hello. Hello, Hi, David. David. Go ahead, please. Short on time. Yeah, thank you for doing the program. Uh, one, I was just curious, I missed the cost of sharpshooter uh, mm-hmm. for Griffey. Uh, I think it would be a tax trade-off of what we're spending on sharpshooters uh, versus what can go to other services in the community around, you know, Firemen, policemen, schools, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, I, I, I am a hunter myself. I do own a farm outside the county, and I've taken three deer this year, but I'm going to be hunting this tonight in the Two Mile Fringe just to donate the meat because there is such a problem. And I think that there is a lot of hunters out there that would probably be willing, if given the opportunity, to do that. Um, as far as the neighborhood solution, I think you do need uh, a minimum of about five acres. Um, you do it safely and humanely, and you know, even if a deer is well hit, it still runs for about 10 seconds, which runs about 100 yards. So I think you would have to have at least a minimum of five acres. But I think there's enough areas like that, such as like um, you know, the Woods Surrounding Bayou Golf Course, Devonshire, Griffey, um, some of the areas on the south side of town. Uh, if landowners would be willing to open that up, I'm sure they would, it would be easily filled by hunters. <laughs> Okay. Could, could I ask David a, sure. a question? Sure. Um, so you said you've already have gotten a few deer this uh, season. Is yep. that correct? And were they all doe or were they buck? Uh, we have taken two. Uh, I have taken two doe and a buck. Uh, and I have okay. on our property, I do work with a wildlife biologist on what the recommendations to keep the... Okay. And, and you would be willing to, uh, in, the, in the future, go another hunting season and get another doe? Absolutely. Um, okay, yeah, that's and, good and to know. County, you could still do that, and you know, I'm just going to take it, and um, I will pay for the processing and donate it to the Hoosier Hills Food Bank. I know a lot of people do that, plus they have the um, Hunters Helping the Hungry program where the 
cost of the processing is paid for, which is $75 that's already paid. So I think, I think if you opened it up, I think there would be a lot of people that would be willing to do that um, if landowners that don't hunt but had a way to um, maybe some type of website where they could contact people that would be willing to do that. <coughs> okay, good. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot, David. Uh, the phone number is again 855-0811-877-285-9348, WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. We've got Joy next. Okay. Let's go to Joy. Yes, hello. Hi. I grew up in Wisconsin, and we had a deer problem. And one of the solutions that was come up by was by a local farmer was to set up a bait station and in it was a deadfall. There were a number of holes and corn inside the thing and when the deer stuck its head through a deadfall broke its neck and this just made it go plunk and so you could get four deer a night mm. and that was a very effective solution. Uh, you could put it in any area kind of fence it so that it's not easily accessible to children, but easily accessible to deer. And they stick their head through and bam, and every morning they would go out and collect the deer and school lunch program ate them. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Joy. Thanks a lot. Have you guys heard of that? Have you heard of that one? No, that's a new one. That's uh-huh. a new one, but I don't believe that's on IDNR's approved <clears throat> list. <laughs> okay. Eric is next. Let's go to Eric. Eric. Whoa. Hey, go ahead. Uh, you've already uh, sort of answered my question uh, between the difference between uh, sharpshooters and sort of regular hunters. Um, but my other question is: the Griffey area is so large, and it's ma- it's mainly owned by the city, but uh, there are other property owners within that area as well. And uh, what are the implications of of doing a hunt? And are are there any implications of doing a hunt with the multiple landowners? Any response reaction, Dave? Um, oh, okay. Thomas wants to. Thomas, take go ahead, Thomas. Um, well, obviously, one of the big problems with, with doing a hunt there is um, <laughs> that it's used um, a lot by community members, and it would be uh, very important to be able to somehow make it safe and close areas, um, and and not have community members, you know, just walk past those notices without uh, paying attention to them. So. Um, I mean, that's obviously something we have to uh, take very seriously, and I don't know that we've come up with a final answer on how to deal with that. Well, in terms of Griffey, as I said, the, the, the recommendations that we prefer are sharp shooting or a bow and arrow managed hunt. And the reason we like the bow and arrow, and we have, a, by the way, a competitive archer and recreational hunter on the task force, uh, and you know, she thinks very highly of it. She's very skilled. Uh, and of course, it would require proficiency with your with your uh, bow and arrow. But if you have uh, people using guns without a silencer, you're probably going to disperse the deer mm-hmm. into neighboring you know residences, and that's something we want to avoid. You could see a lot of panic deer heading out of Griffey mm-hmm. into neighborhoods, which is exactly the wrong approach. So, so that's why we would like this uh, a silent approach to this. Um, okay. All right. All right, Eric. Thanks a lot for the call. Uh, it seems like, you know, the Griffey, Griffey's one area, These neighbor, the neighborhood issues are even more complex. Each unique. Yeah, they each have their unique set of challenges. We had a question that came in on our live um, chat, and it's from Marilyn. And she said that uh, a previous caller had talked about contraception. Has the ta- task force looked into non-lethal contraception strategies used by the city of Hastings, New York? We had a whole list of all of the cities. I'm pretty sure that was on there. But that's, I guess I should speak from the animal welfare side because we're going to get those questions at some point. A lot of, there's also the opinion that we should do nothing, don't harm the deer at all. Yes, we prefer that, but that's not reality. And contraception is unfortunately not an effective strategy at this point and costs too much. I have another question. Is there a point at which um, the... The neighborhood. Let's just focus on the neighborhood now, not Griffey, mm-hmm. but the the you know southeast p- portion of the city will become saturated, and the uh, population will cease to expand. Hmm. Ceasing to expand. I don't know. Who one of you? Is there any like nature? Does nature do any self-regulating? Yeah. I guess is, yes. is kind of my question. Well, 
<laughs> yes, but uh, what level that is may be yeah. unacceptable. That, that's the question. That may be way, way, way beyond what is socially acceptable mm-hmm. to most people. Um, as you know, we said at the beginning of the program, there's some communities that have 400 deer mm-hmm. per, mm-hmm. per square mile. And that's when you see that their food, they start mm-hmm. to suffer because of food yes. sources and that. So that's the other consideration that we don't want to do that to them in, either and they we, can't help right. themselves. So. Right. We, wanna, we hopefully don't want to reach that point because yeah. disease and starvation mm-hmm. and aggression really start to take a toll on the actual deer themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, I remember one, and you probably remember this deer too, who was walked around the neighborhood for a long time and obviously been injured. Right. Um, I haven't seen her for a while so I don't know. I think she might have gone on to her room. Ward. But anyway, so are you also, is there, is it a problem? Are people purposefully feeding the deer? Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about that a little bit and what your thoughts are on that and the task force's um, thoughts on that. That's one, I believe we sent out a couple press releases and we're trying to do a little public education asking people to please not do that. But as you know, with all of these public issues, you see every spectrum of (laughs) opinion on what to do Um, you are attracting the deer you are kind of disturbing their natural behaviors that is going to bring them here more which is going to cause more problems from the deer in the end but we've heard from people that say i want the deer in my yard i don't care don't tell me what to do is lyme disease a problem no. Well, it's it's a problem, but um, the deer. I mean, there are other hosts for for the ticks, okay. uh, not just deer. But um, it hasn't been a problem in the city. It's a problem elsewhere in okay. you know rural right. areas. Sarah, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I that's okay. Wanted to slide that question. We're mm-hmm. out of time. <laughs> you guys have been great. I think uh, if nothing else, you have most certainly outlined the complexity of this issue and trying yeah. to deal with it. So really appreciate it. Thank your time. you for your time spent on the task force, too. It right. sounds like many, many hours have been devoted to this. Yes, our guests have been Thomas Moore, Sarah Hayes, and Dave Rollo from the uh, Bloomington Monroe County Deer Task Force. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, producers Dalton Main and Gretchen Frazee, as well as engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Also, Premier Ortho, a division of Premier Healthcare, helping people living with injuries and chronic back, spine, or joint pain to get back on their feet. Premier Ortho, 333-1933, online at mypremierortho.com.